The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and whatever else crosses our mind. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. This week, we got a few things to talk about. Maybe some phones that fold, maybe some superhero movies that folded, and you might have some gear questions to answer. Do you not? I do. I do. Yeah. Well, maybe we should do that, because I'm sure people are just dying to hear the answers of these questions, so maybe we should do this first so they can be fulfilled. Sounds good. Listen, there's one thing that I really hate. I hate scammy, rip-off advertising on social media doesn't matter where it is, but as soon as you do a search for anything or if you click on something that you find mildly interesting, invariably you're going to get scammed. So lately, I've been on my last remaining social media platform, which is Instagram. Oh, your little island of social media. That's it. It's my little island. I don't mastodon. I don't do anything Mm. else. Anyway, I've been an audio engineer since the dinosaur age, right? I have an interest in the craft. Yeah. So I click on a link. Sure enough, I get flooded with, do you want to have the next top hit? Do you want this? Do you want that? I have the secret for just five easy payments, blah, blah, blah. I just, I hate that stuff. So was it, it like a book? Was it a mixing board? What were they everything. trying to sell you? It's everything. Cheap plugins, ridiculous techniques that are so obvious just silliness, just complete silliness. Like I have the secret of making the the top hits that every artist has ever made in the history of music. Crap like that. That drives me crazy. And I've also started seeing scams targeting podcasters because say what you will, people still like making podcasts. Yeah. We're doing it right now. People, and we people have will fun. download five for the day. Yeah. That's so right. is this to like how to get your podcast in the top ad sales Stuff categories? Stuff like that. That's been a constant since the beginning of time, but now it's trying to sell you gear specifically for making podcasts. Like this magic microphone will make you sound like you're in a recording studio. Crap like that drives me crazy. And it's targeting people who have an interest in doing this, but clearly don't have the background. Mm -hmm. But still, I just, I hate that. So anyway, I got an email the other day, actually a direct message from someone who shall remain nameless. They didn't want their name on the show, but thank you for listening and thank you for supporting us. Yes, thank you, nameless. (laughs) Thank you, nameless. The question is basically, nameless is interested in starting a podcast, but budget, money, tight, Mm -hmm. okay? The information that he's tried to cull from the internet was all over the place, trying to sell you $1,000 microphones and all that stuff. Listen, I'm going to break it down for free right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to upsell you anything. Yeah. Gonna, I'm just going to break it down for you. The most important piece of gear is a microphone. You don't need to have a $10,000 microphone to make a podcast. Right now, my microphone is a Shure SM7B, cost about 400 bucks. JD's microphone is a Yeti, right? It's a Yeti Black? Yeah, a yeah, Yeti got Pro. the Yeti Black, yeah. Yeah. About 300 bucks. That's not cheap. Yeah, and sometimes you can find a sale. I think I may have even got this for a little under the list price. Correct. 
But the point is, we do this for, essentially, I do it for a living. JD does it professionally. For fun. For fun. But the point is that you can still get a decent microphone to do your podcast, to do your video podcast, to do your YouTube show, and you don't have to break the bank. So nameless, what you want to do is decide what your budget is. If you're doing it in your apartment, forget about the $1,000 condenser microphones, these fancy microphones from companies that have been making microphones since, you know, 1744. You want to forget about that because they're going to cost you $4,000 and they will sound like garbage when you try recording inside your apartment. Because what's happening or what happens here is JD and I record and then I take the files and clean up all the background noises, the, the reverberations from the bare walls. So the more expensive the microphone, the more of this stuff you're going to pick up. So what you want to do is find something that's suited to the space you're in. Sure, SM7B is the one that I use. If you're in a quiet space, your microphone will be a little more forgiving. Anyway, if you don't want to spend $400, you can go to the next level, which I would recommend would be the Rode series of microphones. The Podcaster microphone from Rode. And the pod mic. The podcaster is about $300. The pod mic is about $100. The pod mic is a real good starter microphone. It's very forgiving in an untreated space. You're not in a studio. You're in your bedroom. This is a very good mic. It's light. It's small. It actually looks like the top half of the Rode podcaster mic. The podcaster sounds a lot like the Shure SM7B. It's a very heavy mic. It's a broadcast microphone, a very directional microphone. But again, it's about $300. So if you really just want to dip your toe in, I would try the pod mic. But even more than that, this is the secret sauce that I'm going to give you right now. You could get away with a stage mic. A Shure SM58. They're ubiquitous, JD. They're the, like, They're the, the ones that like the high mic. school play, yeah, right? With the little bulb thing on top. Mm -hmm. That is a fantastic podcast mic. I actually use that when I go record people in person. If I'm doing a tape sync or something like that, I bring that with me because it's designed to reject noise from behind because of the amplifiers that are on stage to prevent feedback. So it's a very directional mic. That's a great microphone to use in a noisy environment right up in your face. And how much might the price tag be on this one? You can get it for like $100. Oh, wow. Very affordable. Very affordable. If you don't want to get the Shure, get something comparable. Biodynamics makes mics in that range. You want a microphone, a dynamic microphone that is specifically designed for the stage or for stage use, not specifically. That's usually designed for stage use because you want it to reject the background noise. You want it to be really on your voice. And then you got to position it correctly so that you get the best quality. But I would recommend, instead of spending 400 bucks for a broadcast studio mic, get a Shure SM58, and you got yourself a damn good podcast mic for less than 100 bucks. And trust me, any engineer out there or producer is going to tell you the same thing. They will agree with me. They will not say, yeah, you need the $2,000 mic. Get yourself an 80-buck mic. You'll trust me. Trust me on this. Just trust me. Anyway, Nameless, I hope that helps. There, there you go. go. They're good mics. Yeah. They're damn good mics. 
Yeah. Do they have USB ones or do they have to use that, that special microphone? No, your best bet is to use an audio interface, but I'll talk about that some other time. Because yeah. I get that question a lot, too. In your next installment. In my next installment. How to be a podcaster. The nameless rant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, very helpful and good to know that there is affordable gear out there. And Yeah, yeah and if do- people have tech questions or anything like that they want to ask, that maybe we can answer. Yeah, we have been known to do some tech things yes, on the side. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, moving on, just briefly, you know, we're midsummer. The new phone season is starting to ramp up. We're not going to see iPhones until the fall, but the folding phones have not gone away. Have you noticed a couple of years ago, you know, the Motorola Razor and it's got the sort of vertical foldy thing and they've done a new version of that. I guess it, it didn't die after one or two generations. Right. So for people who really like that sort of clamshell interface, it never appealed to me, but Google's Pixel Fold, they got a new one coming out. They've been very, I think it's $1,800, so a little pricey. But this was the one, because I like Pixel phones in general. I think the cameras are usually quite good in the camera software. And so I have one eye on this. I, will, I don't think I'm ready to drop the money on this, but I will at least not smirk at the review. Right. Yeah, so I looked at it, and then the front of it, it just looks like a regular smartphone. And then you open it up, and you get like the mini tablet size when you open it up on the inside. Okay, well, and they're using, it looks like quality hardware. But there are two things that, that stopped me from even thinking further about it. One was there's an Ars Technica review. Remember good old Ars Technica, oh, the yeah. tech site that always did all of the great live blogs. A story that went up this week, RIP to my Pixel Fold, dead after four days. And I thought, oh, that's not a good lifetime. And what had happened, there was a display along the bottom of this phone had just died. And so the poor guy just had like a two-inch white band of just where all the pixels had disappeared out of the display. So flexible OLED screen. That's the thing with the folding phones. is like anytime you've got hardware that's moving like that and you've got a display, you're always going to be, I think, at risk. So that immediately stopped me. And then also I began to think like usability, like, yeah, it would be nice to have the thing opened up. How often am I out when I'm walking around, I'm using the phone, I think I need a bigger screen. Right. I need to unfold this and I need to see this Google map and bigger. It's like, no, I the phone is perfectly fine for that. And when I do need a tablet size screen, I'm always at home and I've always got a tablet right there. So having the combined device did not make a lot of sense for me just in the way I use the technology. Maybe other people need an immediate tablet gratification. I did not, but that and the it died after four days thing, even though it could have just been a bum unit. You never know, but it was but enough to brush wait, me back off even that. Even if it was a bum unit, the point is, this is something that you're trying to convince people to mm-hmm. buy because of exactly what you just said. It is something I don't need, really. Yeah. I've got my giant Max phone already. What do I need? A, what use case would I need to fold open my it makes no sense. And the thickness, too, because you're basically two phones on top of each other with the fold, and you've got this thick, chunky, giant ice cream sandwich type thing that you're dragging around, and but more fragile. It's like the smartwatch. It's probably good for some people, and I know the, the athletes and the people who need to monitor life signs and things are great. My personal lifestyle... I don't really need it, and I tend to break every watch I put on my wrist, so yeah. I'm not really going to throw 400 bucks down the I the break there. every single watch I use. Yeah, so it's better for both of us, me and the Apple Watch or the Samsung Watch, whatever, if we don't come together. Maybe the next next generation of folding phones will have something on, or maybe there'll be some color app that I really need to have on the wider screen instantly, but, but not for now, I don't think. You remember when apps were the thing that really determined buying hardware? I don't mm-hmm. see that happening much anymore. I'm not being snarky. I mean, this may be revisionist totally, but I remember the apps being created before dropping 
the hardware. Like this software was specifically designed to run on this beefy hardware. That's how they used to get us to buy new PCs. A lot of the photo editing, a lot of video editing programs, right. I think, were geared for this. And the folding ones, I haven't delved into to the giant app. Uh, it's what they may have developed for a good folding phone. Is there some spreadsheet program no, that would totally nothing. change my life? At least not for me. So. Honest to God, there's nothing. Really. I'm always trolling through the app stores, both Google and iOS, because you know me, I like to play with stuff. I may not invest in it as an early adopter, but I'll play with it. I won't change up my whole like system, but I don't see there being any mind-blowing apps that would necessitate me yeah. buying new. I do remember when a new Photoshop update came out, or what was that that design app, Quark? Oh, yeah, Quark Express. Yeah. When Quark Express, you had to get whole new gear. It wasn't like, ah, okay, I just got to, you had to get new equipment. You wanted to run the new software, you needed the new gear. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen anymore, right? Maybe certain games. I'm and also I'm with the foldy thing. Where, yeah, okay, so no, you're no. just thinking, you're thinking strictly productivity Yeah, apps. yeah, strictly productivity stuff. Like even with Pro Tools and stuff, I, I may not have had to get a new computer, but I needed a new interface or this thing was only going to run on Firewire 800, but that doesn't happen anymore. Well, we'll just keep watching. Maybe someone will have the killer app for the folded phone and a screen that won't die after four days in, in the future. Hey, let me ask you a question. Sure. JD. Yeah. Do you watch UFC? I do not. Ultimate Fighting Championships. I can't say that I do. It's basically people beating the crap out of each other in a cage. Cage yeah. fighting. Yeah. I'm, I'm but on assuming... TV and not on the subway. Yeah. <laughs> yes, not on the subway. That's a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. Whole different thing. Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, in a cage. I thought this was a joke. Are they whacking antlers over something? Yeah, but apparently, I don't know what, but apparently it has gotten to the point where Dana White from UFC proposed that they get into a match at a pay-per-view event, and at the very least, Elon Musk accepted. Okay. And was training. I was like, what is going on? So this is going to be some kind of nerd smackdown? No, no uh, this is the best part. It, I, maybe they're pulling my leg. Maybe I should have dived. A little, but if I'm reading this correctly, Elon Musk's mom said, no, I'm not going to let him fight in a cage against Mark Zuckerberg. Okay, so the, so May Musk stepped in and yeah. put the kibosh on that. Yeah. yeah, this is the craziest thing. I read this and I was like, this has got to be the onion. This has got to be a made-up thing. Apparently this was true. So we've begun beyond the satire. I can see putting him in the cage and having them see who can write an algorithm for recommendations more quickly. My money's on Zuckerberg. Are you kidding me? Zuckerberg's the brain. Elon's the guy that would try to sell you stuff from the back of his trunk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know yeah. Guy, he's, he's right? more of a salesman. Yes. T two nerds going at it in the kid. You know, I'd think, you know, the, the, <laughs> unless this was a parody fight. But if they're taking it seriously, the, the, two it's nerds a, fighting in a where cage. Where come? I would have actually paid money for it. I would have paid money for it. That would have been a big event. Yeah. The tech world has jumped the shark. Seriously, the tech world has legitimately jumped the shark now. 
Yeah, well, they're they're desperate for stuff. Social media is not what it used to be. AI, there's the fear of AI, of AI taking over everything. Are you chat bot giving you a chat GPT giving you the willies? It's a little unnerving, but I don't use it enough to really get pulled into it. I think the generative AI for visuals yeah, is yeah, more yeah. scary because you've been seeing the deep fakes and the artificially constructed photos and stuff, and they're starting to find some really nefarious uses for that stuff. So that's what scares me is bad people using it to do bad things in terms of fear like the creative industry getting damaged by it. And I think that's one of the things that the writers are striking on the Hollywood Writers Guild is they don't want AI anywhere near the writer's room. All scripts have to be written by humans because people are using some of the janitor stuff to to write captions and short things. And people who do this for a living are like, nope, nope, it's the robots taking other people's jobs and in physical industries. And this is the software version of that. So that kind of stuff scares me. Not I what it, it comes up with. What do you use it for? I use it for editing. For doing a first pass edit, audio edit, I'll set it up, drop it in this editing software, say, hey, look for these words and get rid of them. And it chugs along because I work on long files. In fact, I'm going to do it with this file. Yeah, well, you probably got a few F-bombs to cut out. For me, but, uh... <laughs> it's a useful tool. It's not terrifying me, although I am exceedingly polite. Does it do the job or do you have to sweep up behind it? No, it, it does the job. Sometimes too well. It, it, but again, it's from my limited experience with using it for this very small task, the thing that I can see, the thing that's happening is that it overcompensates or it makes decisions that don't make sense from a human perspective. Mm -hmm. So it needs to learn more. Correct. Nobody would actually say something like that or put these words together. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not as terrified as I was, now that I've actually dipped a toe in. So you've gotten to know it better. and I've see gotten what to know it better. Uh, I still think that the robots are going to kill me in my sleep, but that's just me. But the software will be helping. It'll be the hardware yeah. robots that come after you. I'm just very nice to it. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you to... mentioned AI and deep fakes. That reminds me of, let's talk superheroes for a second. Ah, yes. Superheroes, the current state thereof. The current state thereof. Okay, so The Flash... Mm -hmm. movie came out yeah and this was a linchpin movie for dc perpetually trying to make relevant superhero movies correct but at the same time they're revamping their entire extended universe the movie mm -hmm. and the tv side of things but they got rid of henry cavill as superman they got rid of or the jury's still out on whether or not they got rid of gal gadot wonder woman 3 i think was on and then it was off and i think she was actually i think one report i read they had they decided not to do it, and so it just freed her up to do these other projects so maybe she was not too unhappy about doing other types of roles but for the fans though i mean because i thought the the first patty jenkins wonder woman was phenomenal so i thought so too i thought it was it's probably one of the best superhero movies and it was the only reason i would see the justice league as she was in that but yeah so dc is well, I mean, when they do this with their comics, too, where they, like, reboot the universe every 10 years and then nobody can find the storylines. But, but the thing is, yeah, they do it in comics, but I think they're assuming that movie audiences and television audiences will be as forgiving. Say what you will, but the Spider-Man, four different Spider-Men in the last 10 years, that got a little much. Yeah, that, that's a nest of spiders. But she actually, you know what? Gal Gadot slapped on the breastplate one more time for Shazam. The Shazam sequel. No. Which didn't do well in the box office. I liked it, though. I actually enjoyed it. Anyway, I bring this up because 
when you mentioned deep fakes, there was this whole controversy about the CGI they used and whether or not they actually used the CGI of one of the actors from the television series without his consent. Oh. Uh, the actor's name is Teddy Sears, and he played Jay Garrick, a version of Jay Garrick. Did they just cut and paste the guy into the movie? That's what it looked like. The actor himself apparently said that he wasn't involved in filming, so he didn't know what was going on. It, he was stunned when he found out that this was part of the conversation on the internet. But the other real creepy part of this, and it, these are spoilers coming up, folks. So if you don't want to hear spoilers about The Flash, Skip over 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. Or if you're like most of American didn't see it, don't worry about it. Exactly. Don't worry about it. It'll be on Max next week. Yeah. The, they did CGI versions of Christopher Reeve and George Reeves. rest in peace. Both of them. Ooh, these gentlemen who have departed this mortal coil have Absolutely. been revived. Did they have to go to the estates and say, hey, we'd like to use the footage of your loved ones? No idea. But even not even knowing the backstory... That's really icky. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. And especially if you know anything of the backstory of George Reeves, the guy who first played Superman on TV back in the 50s. Yeah, he did not have a, a nice life. As no, I in fact, Ben Affleck played him in a movie. And the whole point was he committed suicide because he felt the Superman character had destroyed his career. It was just, I, I don't know, man. And plus, let's be honest, the guy, the, the guy who's the actor... Yeah, man, this guy, he's got issues. If you don't know what the issues are, folks, look them up. It's icky. That's the word of the day, icky. Okay, so Flash, leading man with some personal issues, weird CGI of actors who were either long dead or not knowing they were in the movie and confusing plot. Was that the other? Uh, yeah, apparently. It's a multiverse thing. Unless you're deep into the multiverse and been following it, I think these are very hard for non-fans to really jump into as a exactly. general audience, even though it's a big scene. And they're supposed to explain along the way, but I think it's hard for people who aren't automatically thinking that way. Agreed. And I think the issue with Marvel specifically is that they're taking their audience for granted now. I haven't seen a Marvel movie. The last Marvel movie I saw was Black Panther 2. Oh, the Wakanda Forever. Yeah. Right. I have no interest in any of the recent slate. So you didn't want to see Ant-Man and the Quantum Mania or none of that? Don't didn't see Doctor Strange, haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy, haven't seen any of them. I'm not gonna watch Secret Invasion. There is no there's no compelling reason for me to watch this. It's like they're in a factory just churning out the next Marvel movie. Well, probably not probably now. So it's the quantity of the product and then the quality has gone down and what we're on phase five what's i know phase five, they had yeah. this big giant map well the new yorker had done this whole piece i think it was like a 10 or twelve thousand word piece and an issue last month about marvel fatigue maybe just to encapsulate it but they're talking about how the marvel cinematic universe had swallowed hollywood that was a headline and it was just talking about how movies have just become everything's a superhero thing. And like Scorsese had said, the Marvel movies aren't real movies. And there was all that controversy. But he was talking as a, a true cinematic legend. He had a very specific idea of what makes a movie. And apparently the superhero stuff was not doing it for him. One of the takeaways from this New Yorker piece, it says basically all the plots come down to keep glowy thing away from bad guy. And the more <laughs> I thought about that, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's basically, yeah. Pretty much. yeah. 
But yeah, I'm with you. I've not seen Guardians of the Galaxy 3. have not seen... I think Wakanda Forever was probably the last Marvel one that I saw. I was watching that to see how they were going to resolve the loss of the leading man. And also Ruth Carter's costumes are just amazing. Yeah, amazing. And I actually enjoyed Wakanda Forever. That was a good movie. It was a good movie. They made a movie about people with personal problems and issues mm-hmm. to deal with. They just happened to have some superpowers in a, a Afrofuturistic right. society, but... That wasn't the forward stuff. It was all about the people and the humans, I think, dealing with stuff. But yeah, but a lot of stuff where it's all little one-liners and stuff, you know, where it's just sticky. And I'm on the fence about, even though it's not technically a superhero, the Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which is the number, the fifth one in the series is supposed to be the final one because he's 80 years old. I was done with the third. What is it? The third one. That was the one I was done. So you were done with Last Crusade? You didn't watch Crystal Skull? No way. Nuke in the fridge? No way. And you know what? I'm torn because I genuinely grew up with that franchise. The first three were, you know, they kind of went down in quality after the first one, but it was still punchy fun. No pun intended. Mm -hmm. I did see the fourth one. I was like, and then the fifth one, you say, well, they de-aged him for this scene. And then he's got this and all these things are happening. The critics, I think, are genuinely torn because even if it's like a really lousy movie, they don't want to act like they're attacking Harrison Ford. And yeah, this is an iconic character. He's just stuck in this horrible mess. But if I've read different things, people are like, oh, just stay with it. You know, it's sort of a, a send off for the franchise no, and all who that. Who cares? But- this is the other thing. Why do we need a send off for the franchise? I've never watched a minute of these movies, but The Fast and the Furious. Why are they like, like 10 or 11 now? Yeah, because that's all like cars racing and crashing, right? Yeah, exactly. Crashy, smashy cars. Who needs a wrap up? You made three decent movies. Move on. Yeah. No, but you know, it's, it's coming back. You know, everyone's got to like reboot the, the, uh, see that horrible sex in the city reboot. You know, we really didn't need to see this. And it's yeah. quite frankly embarrassing. Listen, all you need to know is that my darling wife, huge sex in the city fan has not watched a minute of this reboot. She will be a happier person for not yeah, doing I'm so. Sure she is. I have a sneaking suspicion that in about a year, maybe two years, we're going to be reading stories about, hey, remember when superhero movies were all a big thing? They won't go near a superhero movie. It's like Westerns. Remember Mm -hmm. Westerns died for like 20 years? Yeah. For Unforgiven or Dances with Wolves? I think the same thing's going to happen with superhero movies. They're just going to die on the vine. Dead. Maybe go on the shelf. Just take a time out for 10, 20 years. Let people forget all of the bad ones that came out to the end and then figure out a way to, to tell them in new ways or something, or we're all going to be there with our Apple vision goggles and, or the holodeck and be more interactive with them. I don't need James Gunn giving me schlocky snarky like TV series on max. I don't care. I don't need it. One of the popular shows now is that Yellowstone in the 1883. So maybe Westerns are actually coming back after their timeout. I know it's not a, a real cool thing to say, but I like Yellowstone. And I liked 1883. Did yeah. you see 1883? Someone with Helen Mirren, right? No, no, no. That's 1923. Oh, sorry. Wrong century. <laughs> 1883 is, is that the, the prequel, prequel to, to 1923. Yellowstone? <laughs> okay. Okay. So 1883, 1923. Okay. So 1883, 1923, and Yellowstone. All you need to know, and I'm not kidding, is that they call it the Yellowstone Extended Universe. <laughs> so, All right. Everyone's doing it. Yeah. Well, and the Walking Dead, how many? Oh, it was six shows of those in the Walking Dead Universe. There's walking all over the place. Yeah, the point. walking all over the place. I never saw a minute of that show either. Never. Yeah, no interest I'm, in zombies. Not, not, I'm not a zombie guy. Yeah, they're the... the they're kind of repetitive. Zombies come at you, hit them with a baseball bat full of nails, more zombies, guns. But yeah, I, I, and I know the metaphor for plague and whatever. I got into a huge argument with the About Men Radio guys 
which we're going to bring back. If any of you five listeners listening to this actually listen to AMR, Chris Melly and I are going to come back soon. But anyway, nice plug. I worked that right in. You did. Slid it right in. That's a good product placement there. (laughs) (laughs) We got into a big argument about whether or not The Last of Us is a zombie show. Yeah, it's a zombie show. No, but they're not undead. Are you serious? Are you seriously going to argue with me? Undead in a different way. Yes, exactly. Come on. It's a zombie show. Zombie show. So this is a preview of your next episode of About Men? Yeah, basically. We we just argue for 45 minutes about mm-hmm. zombie shows. No, it's riveting. about mushrooms. Yeah. That's riveting podcasting right there, folks. We're going to charge you for this. Get your Patreon going. Yeah. All right. So, so Westerns will come back in their own extended universe. Superheroes, maybe they either get better or get I out for Westerns. a while. I've always been a Western guy. Love Westerns. The whole cowboy shtick. There are photos of me back when I was a kid when I would dress up as a cowboy and would not take the cowboy outfit You have the boots, the spurs, the chaps, the little guns. The whole trick. The whole, I was blinged out. Mm -hmm. Chaps, everything. I would sleep with this. My mom had to take the clothes off me when I went to sleep. Cowboys were like the original American superheroes if you buy into the whole, you know, I mean, we get into a lot of like manifest destiny and, and colonization, but you know, the cowboys were a thing for a while and then they conquered the cows in the West. And they needed conquering. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I right, can see, you know, they off fu- the rails here. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So they were heroic characters for a, a co- yeah, for a country that came about such as America did. Yeah, because like England. Really well said. That was very diplomatic. Nice job. Thank you. Because England, they got the knights. You know, everyone goes back to King Arthur. That's their origin story. And everyone's got their own. Yeah, everyone got their own thing. Well, we did kind of leave the rails back there. Uh, yeah, the piece. Right. So we should probably wind down, but, but we might throw a few links on a show page. We still do a show page. At, what's that address again? PopTechJam.com. Yeah, so we'll put up some links to your microphones and these articles that we talked about the poor, sad, dead pixel and the New Yorker story on Marvel if, if one has afforded to go through 10,000 words on that. It's kind of light, tech news-wise. Yeah, unless, you know, you just want to talk about more AI stuff. You know, once we get into the fall product season, we'll have some things to talk about there. So so until next time, when we're back with more, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. 